Last week, we, we talked about being dual citizens. As kingdom citizens, we have dual citizenship. This morning, we're talking about being in service of the king. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, says this. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned up the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole company. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, 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 wow, Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmesan, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them, so the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith, and this Trinity Church is God's word. You may be seated. If, um, if you've spent time reading, reading the Bible, if you've been in church for a number of years, one of the things that you've probably noticed is that the Lord delights in pulling people out of obscurity. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, it even says about Jesus that he grew like a root out of dry ground. You know, that Jesus grew and came up in a place where not much was growing at that time. But you see with Gideon, Uh, In the Old Testament, Gideon hiding on the threshing floor, afraid of everything that might be demanded of him. But God looks at him and, and calls him out and calls him a mighty what? Warrior. You look at King David, David, the youngest of his brothers, whenever Samuel went and said, there's a king in this family. Not even David's dad thought to call David in from the fields and said, well, hey, maybe it's him. God delights to pull people out of obscurity. And then at the same time, there's something in most of our human hearts, I think this is true, Mina, that we desire to be used by God for something significant. There's just something in us that thinks, God, you went to all this trouble to to make me. Your word says that you knit me together in my mother's womb. Do you have a purpose for me? Do you have things to do? You guys know I quote this often, uh, that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do that we can walk in them. One of the best movies of all time, Rocky, duplicated a million times. But the opening scene of Rocky, actually, the first thing you see is not Rocky. The first thing you see is Jesus. It's this big painting of Jesus up on the wall in the gym. The camera pans down, and there you see Rocky in the ring. And what Sylvester Stallone said was, he said, I was trying to communicate something with this movie, the idea that a normal person could be given an opportunity by a great God. Believe it or not, This passage we just read is that. It's a group of men being called out of obscurity to step into kingdom work. 
And so here's our starting point this morning. The starting point is this. As ambassadors of Christ and his kingdom, we represent kingdom interests in our community. This series has been called The Unshakable Kingdom. And the idea is that each of us are meant to have a hand in building the kingdom of God on earth. And so this whole idea of having kingdom interest in our community, the local church is meant to function sort of as um, an American embassy. Tony Evans uh, wrote a book called The Kingdom Agenda. Let me read something to you that he said. He said, in every recognized country in the world, there is an American embassy, which is a little piece of America a long way from home. Embassies are sovereign territories, meaning that they do not belong to the countries that they are in. They belong to the countries from which they came. If you get into trouble in a foreign land, make your way to the American embassy, because once you enter its gates, you are in America again. You are where the laws of our nation rule. Now listen, the church is supposed to be a little bit of heaven a long way from home. The place where the values of eternity operate in history, the church is a place where weary people can go to find truth, acceptance, equality, freedom, safety, forgiveness, justice, and hope. Isn't that good? And so our aim as a church during a time where so much is shaking is to establish a little piece of the unshakable kingdom right here in Ellis County. That's our goal. But what we see right here in the book of Acts, you know, so frequently, whenever we look at the book of Acts, we think in terms of this is just what we got to get back to. We got to get back to the book of Acts church because the Holy Spirit was moving in these phenomenal, just powerful ways. And in those ways, we need to get back to the book of Acts church. But listen to me, the book of Acts church was no more perfect than the current church. Do we know that? I mean, in the book of Acts church, some people got struck dead by God. Lord, let's leave that part out. Bring back the book of Acts, but don't bring back that particular part. But what you see even right here is that as the church is going well, things go so well that things start to go bad. Any of you ever had growing teenagers in your house? Ever walk into their room? It's incredibly messy. Here as the church is growing, things begin to get a little messy. And so that's the first point this morning. As the church grows, as the church grows, things can get messy. And so it begins in verse one of the chapter. It says, as the disciples are increasing in number, you're seeing happen what we all pray to happen. You're seeing people get saved. You're seeing people come to church. You're seeing people meet God. Their individual lives are changed, which is what we hope will happen for all of us. And then as these individual lives become a part of God's family, even God's family can sometimes get a little bumpy. And so that's exactly what happened. And so you had this overlooking, there arose a complaint. And people say we're not like the book of Acts church. They had complainers. We have complainers. It's a bad joke, isn't it? It's a really bad joke. I'm sorry. But what happened right here is you had Greeks, 
Jewish-speaking Jewish Christians, that's what it means by the Hellenistic Jews, were being overlooked by the Hebraic Jews, Hebrew-speaking Jewish Christians in the distribution of money and food to take care of widows. And so what you had here, as best as I can tell in studying it out, is nothing intentional. You're having like language barriers and sort of socioeconomic clashing. And so what happens here is the intentions are good, but things just, there aren't enough hands to do important work and people start sort of falling through the cracks, which is nothing you ever want to happen in a church, is it? You never want people to fall through the cracks. But every ministry, every part of the kingdom, if it begins to go well, it will get a little messy. And so what they did in those days is they went to, how would you love for your pastoral staff to be the original disciples that followed Jesus? In that way, these guys had it better than any of us will ever have it, right? But at this point, they're all in Jerusalem still. And so people go to these 12, you know, Peter, James, John, you know, this whole crew, and they say, hey, you know, people are being overlooked. You guys need to do something about this because you guys are on staff. So you guys need to do something or you need to go hire a new apostle because people are being overlooked and people are falling through the cracks. And so what do they say? The 12 summoned the whole company of disciples and they said, it would not be right for us to leave preaching of the word to wait on tables. And so this is an area where a commentary can really help out because if you read that in English, you might, you might ask yourself, are they being hoity-toity? Like, we are the ones who preach the word. It would not be right for us to help wait on tables. But that's actually, that's, that's not the tone that is meant to come across. What's written there in Greek is actually, it wouldn't be right for us to leave the ministry of the word, which is what we've been entrusted with and asked to do, to do the ministry of serving at table. It, for, for, even for the super apostles, even for them, it was going to be one or another. They could not do this thing well and do a lot of everything else. Does that make sense? And so that's simply what they're saying. They're saying, we can't leave the ministry Jesus gave us, and we can't continue to grow if we're going to try to do everything else as well. And so what was their solution? Next point is this. If the kingdom of God is going to grow, we must all grow with it. If the kingdom of God is going to grow through our church, we've all got to grow with it. And one of the things that the apostles were trying to get across to the the disciples in their church were that one of the things that had to grow was their view of serving, that it's not simply about giving time. It was about serving in ministry, doing the ministry, the work of God to serve and to love God's people. And one of the ways that we grow in this is also just in how we view the gospel, that serving other people is an expression and an imitation of Jesus because Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You guys remember Jesus's last night with the disciples. They all come together for the Last Supper. This is shown to us so beautifully in the book of John. And there was a basin there and there was a towel there. And, and of course, the standard of the day is that a servant would wipe everybody's feet and all the disciples are there with Jesus. And I guess they're looking at each other thinking, I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> I'm not going to wipe your nasty feet. 
And the scripture says that Jesus took off his outer coat, wrapped the towel around himself, grabbed the basin, and began washing feet. And the scripture says that after Jesus finishes, he says, do you realize what I've done for you? And it's on this basis Jesus could say, as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. And so when we serve in any way, whether that is in the church, whether that is something you quietly give your time to that no one knows about, what you have to know is that you are, you're expressing the gospel. You're living it out dramatically in that way. And so one of the ways that we can grow into a new idea of service is to remember that it's actually an imitation of Jesus. It's not simply volunteering, it's owning the mission. It's owning the mission of God. And here's the thing. Number two, we are equipped for certain purposes by the gifts that God has given us. The Christian who you admire most, whoever that is, we all have our heroes. Do you realize that they have an incredible amount of life and ministry in which they are entirely ignorant and totally helpless? That truthfully, God has given none of us, not you, not me, not her, not him, not even Inca back there. God has given none of us all of the gifts that he needs to see put to work to expand his kingdom. He's designed us to absolutely need each other. And so what they said, the disciples said, brothers and sisters, select from where? Among you. Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and the wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. So with the church growing and things getting messy, their answer was not, well, I've just got to begin to burn the candle at both ends. I think if I stay up a little later every night, if I get up a little bit earlier every day, they didn't say that at all. They gather everyone together and they say, select from among you. They're like, they're, they're, they're men, they're women who are here, select from among you. The answers to what God wants to do for his kingdom are sometimes they lie within people who don't even realize what they have to offer. I love Duke basketball. Last time they won their championship was in 2015. But whenever they won that particular year, I have a picture of this kid who came off the bench. He rode the pine for most of the season. He had a few good moments, but he was just a freshman. And in that championship game against the University of Wisconsin, it's tightly, tightly um, contested. And late in the game, a freshman by the name of Grayson Allen comes off the bench. He scores 16 points in 21 minutes, just scorches the other team. Duke ends up winning the championship that night, as should every season end in Jesus' name. But the answer to what they needed in that moment was actually sitting on the bench. And it would have been easy for the game to play out for that night Duke to have lost to Wisconsin and nobody ever would have said, coach, why didn't you put in that freshman? Why didn't you put in Grayson Allen? And my point is just this, that to do the work of kingdom expansion in our church and in Waxahachie, it's gonna require that all of us come off the bench in some way, shape or form. All of us will have to come off the bench. 
That may be on something on a Sunday morning. That may be something in your life group. That may be something in some area. As I always say, the kingdom of God is bigger than a church. It may be somewhere you engage the community or your neighbors in a way that no one knows but Jesus. But I am telling you, for God to grow his kingdom, he wants to use you, and that won't let any of us stay on the bench. God wants to pull us off the bench. And the only qualifications that are given right here are not even particularly for the type of ministry. They said select men that are full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. So what does God need in us to be able to use us? He needs us to be pursuing his word, growing in wisdom. None of these men at this point were as wise as they would be. How do we know that? The book of Proverbs says that if anyone is wise in their own eyes, they are a fool. So they're growing in wisdom, pursuing God's word, and then full of the Holy Spirit, which means simply they were pursuing God with all their heart. We become full of God's spirit by pursuing God. And these are the things that qualify us to do the work of the work of God. And so the disciples say, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole company. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of the faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, we read these names earlier. I won't say Parmesan again. And I shouldn't have because I was reading the holy word of God. And I'm really sorry. But something you should notice right here. This is actually a true deal. Remember who was being overlooked in the distribution of food? the Greek-speaking widows. Who is selected here to serve in this capacity? Greek-speaking men. And all I'm saying to you and what scripture seems to show us here is that the Lord will redeem anything and everything about us to use for his purposes. There are some things about you that you just think it's just the way you are, but in reality, you've been positioned by God. This is the thing. And so these guys, with their ability to speak the Greek language, were actually exactly what the church needed to be able to minister to the people that God was bringing to the church. If the same is true, and every God can use everything about you, your language, your ethnicity, your affinities, your nerdiness, your jockness, your redneckness, your whatever, whatever it is about you, God did not mess up when he made you, friend, and he wants to use you for his kingdom purposes. You are not just somebody. You are somebody that God wants to use to reach certain people that he has put in your life. This is how he works. You are incredibly strategic, even though you just feel like you're just you. And I just feel like I'm just me. But it turns out God can deal with that. And he wants to. And so the question is, how are you stewarding the gifts, the opportunities, the relationships that God has trusted you with? Because you don't just have those things. You've been trusted and this is what Peter says to us in 1 Peter chapter 4, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. The different gifts we have, these are bits of God's grace, different and facet and magnitude and type. And you've been trusted with something and I've been trusted with something. And so he says, if anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's word. 
If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. God wants to be glorified in Jesus Christ through your things, too. The gift God has given you, whether you love it or whether you overlook it and you just feel like it's just something you do, which is not true, it is the closest thing to a superpower that you will ever have because it was given to you from heaven. It was given to you by God. And your willingness to use that thing is either being a good steward of the grace of God or holding back on his gifts, which aren't really yours. They're his. And somebody else needs what God will do through you if you will just make yourself available. We've talked a lot in this kingdom of God. For some reason, I'm all up in the superhero movie illustrations, and I don't know why. But we've, we've all seen the last few years, we've seen Avengers, we've seen the Justice League movie. And the idea of both of these is that all of these different superheroes come together for something greater than themselves. And here's the thing. Initially, they never get along. They never get along. Superman came and said, I don't like Batman's church. Everybody's mean there. And so the, the whole idea is that you have people with different opinions, different personalities, different superpowers, but they come together for a cause greater than themselves. And here's the deal. None of them does everything. Each of them relies on someone else to do their thing. In the original Avengers movie, everything culminates in downtown New York. And so Captain America is there with all the other Avengers and Captain America begins captaining. He begins handing out orders. And so he tells Hawkeye, he says, Hawkeye, keep an eye on the whatever. And Iron Man gives him a ride, something like that. And so he goes around, he says, Black Widow, you stay down here, observe things with me. He looks at Hulk and he says, Hulk, and he points to him and he says, smash. And so Hulk goes and begins smashing and none of them does what anyone else does. Each of them does what only they can do. And because of their willingness to humble themselves, to cooperate, to let someone else lead, because of all of that, the mission gets accomplished. Do y'all see where I'm going here? Do you realize that you have gifts? That you have gifts? Do you know that the king wants you to use them? And here's the thing. Number three, we need the king's power to do the king's work. We need the king's power to do the king's work. The disciples did not say, okay, now go do it. They brought them together. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. This precious moment, Lord, we commit these men to you for the work of the ministry that they have, they have received, that they have taken on. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Whenever they, are, whenever they are serving, they are not just serving. They are pouring out your love. They are, I mean, do you see it's actually a really holy and precious moment? We need God to do God's work. Simple point. But we need God to do God's work. If we ever think that we can do anything for God without him, this is called idolatry. This is called celebrity. This is called calling attention to ourselves instead of losing ourselves for his cause. 
And so always remember that you need God to do God's work. And then this also shows us something. The fact that they made themselves available, but then they were anointed and they were prayed for reminds us, this this isn't in the book of Proverbs, but it should be because it's been around so long, that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. When you have a burden to do something for God, it is perfectly normal to feel like you are out of your league and like you can't do it. Lord, I can't do it. And his word would, to you this morning would be, you're right. But that's a great starting point for me to do it through you. It's a good starting point. And so we need the king's power to do the king's work. The issue is never just what you can do for God. It is always what God can do through you if you will yield yourself to his purposes and make yourself available. We need the king's power to do the king's work. And the final thought, I want to invite the band up this morning, is that when we do what we can, God will do what only he can. If we will do what we can do, God will do what only he can do.